Uh, we go straight to the second part of this session, which is um, the keynote by DJ De Bess. <coughs> I'm glad you arrived. Uh, <laughs> interesting trip, but I'm glad you arrived in one piece. DJ De Bess is a permanent researcher at the uh, Fonds National de la Recherche Scientifique and the director of the uh, Center of Philosophy at the Free University of Brussels, where he teaches contemporary philosophy. He's the co-founder with Isabel Stengers, whom uh, we've been talking about all day also, uh, of the uh, Groupe d'études constructivistes, uh, GECO. His main areas of research are contemporary forms of speculative philosophy, theories of events, and links between American pragmatism and the French contemporary philosophy. He's a director of a collection in Presse du Réel, a member of the editorial board of the journal Multitudes and Inflections. I'm there too, by the way, in this panel. Uh, he wrote three books on Whitehead's philosophy, edited volumes on pragmatism, on the history of contemporary metaphysics, and wrote uh, numerous papers on uh, Bergson, Tarde, Souriot, Simondon, and Deleuze. Two of his books are translated into English, uh, Nature is Event, that has recently come out, I think, which is a very good book, uh, Duke University Press, and a Speculative Empiricism. He's working now on a book called Pragmatique de la Terre. Um, Didier Debes will give a talk entitled Out of Nature, How a Concept Became a Political Power. The floor is yours. Thank you very much, uh, Lucas. Uh, thank you very much, all the organizers, to invite to have made it so easy to come. Even if I come from Brussels, it, it seems to be a very dangerous trip when I hear uh, Rick saying that I, I, I was able to do it. Uh, I think it was relatively easy, uh, but uh, thank you to uh, mention that it might have been more complicated. So I will. Uh, try to, I will propose an hypothesis here, and uh, I would like to test this hypothesis and to see what uh, would be the consistence of this hypothesis, what would be the maybe the necessity of this hypothesis with you, the necessity today. This hypothesis is the following. Moderns have invented a concept of nature to inhabit the earth. I think, so I, I repeat it because it will be the, the main focus of my talk, moderns have invented a concept of nature to inhabit uh, the earth. I think this hypothesis is a good guide uh, to understand some shift of the contemporary philosophy. Uh, some shift particularly in the link between philosophy, metaphysics, speculative philosophy, and the anthropology. Uh, and I, I think mainly uh, about the work of the, the very famous anthropologist now, uh, Viveros de Castro and Philippe Descola. And I think this hypothesis would be a good guide also to understand a new set of political categories through the question of nature. Uh, the, the, uh, it would be a, a good perspective to understand the new space of a political question. So if we think already, if we take this 
hypothesis in a very literary sense, in this, a very direct sense. It means two things already. We can directly have two uh, different meanings of this hypothesis. The first strange implicit meaning would be that nature, the concept of nature that we have, and maybe also nature, has a temporal dimension. What we call nature, these things in front of us, these natural things that uh, we group a lot of bodies, beings, uh, the laws that uh, we use and that we invented to treat the relation between these uh, bodies, these beings, all this would be linked to a very specific time, to a specific moment. That what we call nature is an historical invention. That we would need what uh, Alfred North Whitehead called a theory, uh, epochal theory of nature. There is epoch in nature. Like we talk about epoch for political events or social events. And saying that the moderns inv have invented a concept of nature to inhabit the earth, localize very precisely the moment of the invention of what we call nature. I like the moment where we you can say, there is a very specific date where something happened and something changed completely the situation. A bit like in Thousand Plato when Deleuze and Gattari, for each Plato, uh, gave a specific date. And what is this date? It's at the beginning of the 17th century. Something, a big event, changed completely, shift completely all our categories, all our way of thinking, and produce what we call nature. So nature was product. The nature that we think was product in a specific event. The second element that we can have from this hypothesis that the modern have invented a concept of nature to inhabit the earth is that it presupposes that there is a kind of geographical dimension of nature, that nature has a specific space, a specific spatial dim dimension. What a strange idea. We have the impression that nature is everything on the earth, that everything that you can go further in other space, other countries, and you would still have nature. I claim exactly the inverse. Nature was the invention of the moderns. And in their relation to the other, they tried to impose their vision of nature. They tried to enlarge nature to the complete earth. So, two strange ideas in this hypothesis. Nature has a specific spatial dimension and a specific temporal dimension. And the, confu the confusion that we all the time do, we say nature, we say the earth, uh, we say sometimes the globe, this kind of confusion 
is not a simple, innocent confusion, I would like to show that nature was or became a kind of war machine, uh, the, the, the tools for a political redefinition that, it, that went in two different directions, or that it was a war machine in two directions. It was first a war machine in Europe, in the Occident, against all uh, minoritarian knowledge, all minoritarian uh, practice. I will come back to that later. That nature was a kind of process of domestication inside the European tradition, inside the Occident, a domestication of all uh, minoritarian knowledge. And in the same time, as, and I found it fascinating how a concept was a tool, became a war machine inside the Occident of domestication, and in the same time, a, uh, uh, an impressive tool for colonization, for transforming the others in the background, in the, in the, in the structure of the moderns. So it went directly in the two directions. So I think we cannot speak about decolonization without speaking about what happened in the same times in Occident, in Europe. I think the question of decolonization go in two different directions, and it's exactly the same gesture. Uh, <laughs> a very, very delicate uh, expression to try to have some water, because I think we have all here some problem. I don't, I don't say that it's the organizer who are uh, responsible for this. I, think, I said it's an event. We don't know where it comes from, but it happens as soon as I cross the room. So maybe, Lucas, we will have to talk about that later. So how nature became a political power? How nature became a so strong tool, particularly strong because it was never or not enough analyzed as a political tool. We think all the time nature is everything but a political tool. I would like, so I think it's really important to come back to this very strange, specific invention of nature how it was produced, what moderns call as nature. So finally, what for us is nature? You will say uh, it has just 40 minutes, so uh, the question is a little bit too big for, for the rest of his time. So I think it's a big and long question if you address in the wrong way. And the wrong way would be to try to focus on the representation of nature to focus on all the metaphysics, the ontologies that treated nature, on all the philosophies that took uh, into consideration of nature. In one word, you would never be able to answer to the question, what is nature, if you stay on the level of representations. So if the answer is not 
on the representation. It's not on, in the ontologies. It's not in the way by which we treat nature, where it is. I think it's a very, there is a very simple answer to the question. But we have to focus not on the representation, but on the gesture, the operations. Moderns define themselves by a specific kind of operation and a gesture. If you understand this gesture, you know who they are and what they do. So what are these gestures? I think there is just, certainly there is a lot of this gesture, but there is three main gestures. And if you have all this gesture, you have the complete overview on what is nature. And this gesture was first settled, uh, introduced uh, inside what we call experimental sciences. So it's a gesture that defines experimental science. There is three gestures that define, for example, as Isabel Stenger showed this in, a, uh, in the time of catastrophe and in the Virgin and the Neutrino, is the Galileo, Galileo gesture. But it doesn't mean that this gesture was, were just in experimental science. The success of this gesture is that they transform completely all our categories and they became the gesture of science, of course, but of our politics, our knowledge, our the, uh, uh, the gesture constituting the ontologies and the metaphysics by derivation. The first gesture is bifurcation. Bifurcation. You have, I, I, I try to show the picture, you take a body, whatever it is, physical, biological, living bodies, human bodies, you take a body. You can try it with your neighbor. You take a body. We make an exercise, a kind of experimental exercise. I, have, I hope there is no, no big bad consequence. You take a body and you extract violently to this body all the superficial qualities. What are the superficial qualities of the body? Its form, its aesthetical dimension, the attachment that you have with this body, the interest that this body has for you, the values of this body but mainly the aesthetical, the perceptive dimension of the body. And you remove it, you extract it through technical objects, apparatus, uh, uh, quantification, uh, procedure. We don't understand all the dualism that traverse, that crossed the modernity if we don't see that they come all from this very simple, basic gesture. You take a body and you extract all the superficial dimension. Superficial in, uh, uh, is an expression. How do you say it? 
Sure, superficial. You extract all these qualities. But if you think, what are these qualities? And if you think, the word that we put on these qualities, it's aesthetics, moral for values, uh, sense of interest, sense of importance of things. And you extract everything from the body. So when people sometimes say, we should repolitize nature, we should, we, we should put aesthetics inside nature, they make also an extra, a, a strange gesture because politics, aesthetics, was all the time inside the body. It's a gesture of extraction that tried to remove it. And the modern all the time does it. You, like, you are interested by your animal, uh, animal? Remove all your attachment, all the sense of aesthetic, all the uh, enjoyment that can have the animal for its environment, and you will have the proper, correct body. So this first gesture is not a way to qualify the body through some qualities, but a way to disqualify some link to the body, to disqualify all the aesthetical dimension, the moral dimension, the axiological dimension, etc. So it's a process mainly of disqualification, disqualification of all dimension that you keep, or as would say the modern, that the human project on the body. And it's this qualification of, second, of superficial qualities was a way to disqualify a lot of practice and a lot of knowledge. All the practice of amateur, of people who have an expertise through their interest on the bodies, through their interest on animals or living realities, etc., were disqualified in favor of the practice and the knowledge of the body without these qualities. Isabel Stengers in Catastrophic Times say, we live in a veritable cemetery for destroyed practice and collective knowledge. This is our experience, a cemetery of for destroyed practice and collective knowledge. Here comes the second gesture. The first is bifurcation. The second one, localization. As soon as you have removed all the superficial qualities of the body, how you can say that something is real, something is, something is really there, or something exists? and how you would qualify the body, how you would qualify a living, how you would qualify a being in general. If you say, I will qualify by what I see, you will reintroduce the superficial quality. So it will be still yourself projecting on the body. As the modern have disqualified all access all interest in the body, they have no ability to see what finally is a body, what finally is nature, 
what is these realities. And this is a second gesture. The only positive definition that they produce or they invent was to say something exists when you can localize it. You can say it's here and now. It's here somewhere. You can, you can situate it. But how you can localize something? You need a formalization, a geometrization. So the way to say what exists is, ex is strongly linked to an a priori of spatialization that they uh, produce. You change the form of spatialization, you change the reality, because you cannot localize in this way. I think it's a good definition of what is materialism for the modern, a strange materialism, not the one that, of course, you developed, but the, mat the scientific materialism that cross uh, the modernity. A materialist in the, in the modern sense, the materialist as uh, this way, is, as a definition, matter is something that you can localize. It can be somewhere at a specific moment. If you cannot localize, it doesn't exist. And we see it all the time, even today, when people work on the brain and the representation of ideas, of memories, etc. They want to know where it is in the brain, which neuron is active in this moment. If you cannot localize, it doesn't exist properly. And it, this gesture that was an experimental gesture became against a very impressive war machine. A war machine against all the others all the other culture, all the other civilization. They believe in God, they believe in spirit, they believe in gene, they believe in a lot of things. It's just believing. They cannot localize where it is. They, call, they have their ontologies, they have their way to treat realities, but they cannot localize it. So it became a very strange tool of colonization of the others and transforming all the other ontology as pure representation, pure believings, where the modern had the real key of knowledge. The third gesture, you have it in, in Galileo's famous uh, uh, technical invention, uh, the inclinate plane. It's a very strange experimentation because Galileo invents a plane where a ball is falling, should be falling, say it has to be optimal condition. Optimal condition never exists in experience. You have to find a pure ball, a pure plane. They cannot have any friction, so something that doesn't exist in nature. 
You have to do it in a specific place that he called laboratory or a specific protected zone. And he does it, so everything is artifact, everything is invention, everything is construction, everything is, in this way, very artistic. And Galileo says, nature have talked. But where, where nature have talked? Where is nature? You are in a laboratory, in a very specific artificial, technical environment, completely purified. You do it and you say, nature have spoken. Nature was never there. She was never there. We, you cannot even imagine a more purified space than the space where Galileo did his experimentation. And nothing forced Galileo to say that nature has spoke. The experimental system would have worked. It would have demonstrated exactly what Galileo has, has is in mind. So this strange gesture, I call it reification, chosification. You transform an operation, which is a pragmatic operation, a gesture. And you say, there is no gesture. It was just the reality that I described. I never intervened inside. I never put myself inside. It was purely nature that the scientific just reveals, just showed, without intervention. This reification was, again, a huge war machine because the way by which the experimentation was done enlarged its efficiency, enlarged its domination to all other experimentation, all other way to be in relation to other bodies or other part of what we call nature. So that's the, the big story, to take the expression of Donna Haraway, it was the big story that the modern have invented for themselves and that they try to impose to all the other. We are, I speak as I was a representative of the modern, we have invented a set of gestures that allow us to articulate bodies and we try to impose it inside our own experience and to all the others. And of course, when the modern did it, they, have, they had already all the answers to the question that they address to the others. And I call it a colonization process, when you have already the answer and just faint to uh, ask the question. So that was the big story, an objective nature, uh, universal, common to all the others, that revealed by itself, they transform the modern, their abstraction, their gesture, their way of questioning as uh, being or the things by themselves. So, now we have another question. 
think a more, uh, I think this concept of nature infected us for a long while and had very disastrous effects. So now my question is the following. Do we really need this concept of nature? We understand that these effects were mainly domestication of practice or colonization, but it had, of course, it was not produced for this purpose. Of course, it was produced in other ideas, but it became this reality. And so my next question is, what would change in our present situation if we just removed the concept of nature? Typically, a philosopher's style. Huh? You just you remove a concept and see what happens. We have this, sometimes I talk with people from sociology and other disciplines or politics, and I say, but you just remove the concept and see what's going on. It's not so easy. But for us, it's an, exper an experimentation, and I would like to see that it's relatively easy. You remove nature. What do you have? So it's an experimentation. You just extract now from your brain, for your representation, your, for your relation to all uh, the reality to, that you treat, what would be, it's a pragmatic question, what would be the difference if you have or not the concept of nature? So we remove it. And what do we have? We have all the bodies, macro-organisms, uh, macro, uh, physical realities, uh, biological elements, living beings. We have all, we put, we keep and we just push, put our interest on this very huge amount of realities without linking them to a neutral common reality that would be nature. But first, this huge amount, growing amount of beings, changing amount of beings, and you have all the relation that these bodies these realities have without even yourself directly. Like, uh, dependence, assimilation, predation, perception, sensitive connection. All these beings are not isolated, of course, beings. They, they, they have, they cultivate a lot of different links, a lot of different relations. Not just one, like in nature with gender differentiation, uh, domain of existence, physical, biological, etc. They have already in themselves a set of relations. Predation, assimilation, interest, uh, aesthetical uh, emotion, enjoyment, you have it directly inside this body. William James, the American philosopher, gave, had a very beautiful intuition when his uh, note, 
he wrote this. It, it was in uh, the beginning of 20th century, the really first moment of the 20th century. He wrote, we would have a world of personal lives, which may be of any grade of complication, and superhuman or infrahuman, as well as human, variously cognitive of each other, genuinely evolving and changing by effort and trial, and by their interaction and cumulative achievement make it, making up the world. So it was a very beautiful idea that had uh, William James. He linked it to some aspect of the panpsychism of 19th century. Say, put, treat all the beings with personal lives. Follow these personal lives. Don't reduce them to a common space. They produce the, what is common to them by their interaction. What is common will emerge of their interaction. They are not in common through their participation to a, a common space, previous common space. It's all their interaction that produces it. I think we should take very seriously this idea, this idea of personal lives. What might be personal lives, infra and supra-human personal lives? Treat each reality as a character, as a persona, a center of experience, as would uh, say, uh, John Dewey, a center of experience, a center of life, producing by his interaction a lot of uh, common realities. To get rid of this unification that was produced by nature, you could put all the qualities that the modern put as superficial, secondary qualities, you can put it in all realities. Aesthetical sense, sense of values, intentionality, even intentionality. Philosophy would join uh, the development of new anthropology when uh, anthropology interrogates the multiplicity of ways of inhabiting the earth. I quote Eduardo Viveros di Castro, as various ethnographers have noted, unfortunately too often only in passing, virtually all peoples of the new world share a conception of the world as composed of a multiplicity of point of view. Every existence is a center of intentionality apprehending other existence according to their respective characteristics and powers. The presupposition and consequence of these ideas are nevertheless irreductible to the current concept of relativism that they would, at first glance, seem to evoke. I call it this idea linked to a long tradition of philosopher from Leibniz 
to Deleuze, a radical perspectivism. This radical perspectivism consists in taking each reality by itself as a center of experience, producing an interpretation of the world through this point of view. Link to all the other uh, existence, producing also what we can call a life territories. A life territories. What is a life territories? Is the network of dependence, the network of attention for each being. An animal doesn't live in an environment, as we have the tendency to, to say. It doesn't live in nature, as if nature was a kind of general resource for it. It lives and produces a life territories, which is the resource that it needs, the things that allow it to exist, uh, the, the, all the reality that participate to its existence. It's why I found all the time strange when we talk about the disparition of spaces, we count the number of living that have disappeared. But we lose. The main idea is that a living is all the time linked to uh, a life territories, a, 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 a network of things that allow him to live and that he allows to live. So I can come back now to finish to my hypothesis. The moderns have invented a concept of nature to inhabit the earth. My proposition now would be to inverse the idea. What would be our perception of nature if instead of interpreting the earth through nature, we would interpret nature through the earth. So through this network of dependency, to this network of being linked all uh, together uh, by different way. I think it's time to get out of the concept of nature and to give its strong consistency to the multiplicity of mode of experience, human and non-human. Thank you. <laughs>